Hello and welcome to Tea with Nettie online this time from my house and I really hope this is going to work. It's my maiden voyage and I've been lucky enough to persuade Alina Ibrahimova, violinist supreme, to be my guinea pig for today. Um, alas, we were meant to have been recording and performing Michael Haydn's violin concertos with her next month and of course it has been put on hold indefinitely in these very strange times in which we find ourselves. However, it was a chance to have her all to myself, albeit on the screen, and we had a very convivial conversation, um, ranging from her early years in Russia to goat yoga. So I hope you will enjoy it. that you um, agreed to do this and we're both being guinea pigs here because um, I've never <laughs> done anything like this online before but um, at least I can see you which makes things a bit easier even though the people on the receiving end of this won't be able to pour them. Well here we are in the most extraordinary circumstances um, no, we're all in the same boat. We just don't know what's happening. We're living in the now and trying not to sort of worry too much about the future. And um, it's rather a nice time to have a bit of time to talk to you and see what your philosophy is at the moment. I mean, how how are you dealing with all this? Um, well, I think, as you say, it's um, it's a time where we do things that we wouldn't usually do. <laughs> So we, we catch up with people we, you know, haven't heard from in a while. We see how they are. We, it's, it's, it just, um, uh, yeah, taking away from the usual life means that we um, look at things slightly differently. Um, I am, I'm at home, obviously. <laughs> um, I, I'm practicing Paganini caprices a lot. I'm, um, yeah, reading more than usual uh, maybe watching documentaries that I wouldn't usually watch, you know, the things, yeah, the things that I wouldn't usually do. Mm. Yes, I suppose when, if one is living alone, and I do as well, um, you get quite absorbed in documentaries and, and the pace of life, I don't know about you, but for me, the pace of life has slowed right down on one hand, but the hours are zooming past on the other it, it's such a paradox. I don't, I don't know how it works that way, but I, I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. You get up and then even if you... Well, you obviously have some sort of routine. If you're practising Paganini, um, respect, respect. I mean, as a viola player, you know, Paganini is a very scary name. <laughs> um, but uh, do you, have you given yourself a routine? Do you practise a set amount at a set time every day? Um, yes, more or less. Uh, I, I try and uh, not slump. I, and, uh, you know, and Paganini is the kind of thing that there are no shortcuts you've got to put in the hours. So, <laughs> so um, that's quite good in a way. It's, it's, it keeps me in shape and it keeps me, um, yeah, it keeps me working. And, and, 
and it's a nice feeling in the hands as well you know because um it, um <laughs> no but there there are lots of different yes. muscles working and and it's uh, course, yeah it yes. feels good um uh but as you say i i find the same that the hours go by i think i think this kind of uh guiltlessness of um you know it doesn't matter if if the whole day passes and you haven't you know really done so much that's okay and it's you know you're, yes. there are no deadlines there are no um that's quite a nice feeling it's a real release from um you know how we're used to living usually it really is and i remember in the past i used to sort of wish sometimes i i felt i was on a treadmill and i was always thinking it'd be so lovely to tear some pages out of my diary you know or just remove myself to a bubble and then rejoin when i felt ready and and here we are doing that and if if one wasn't so aware of awful things happening parallel outside our own home bubble it would be amazing but the problem is you look at the news and all the terrible things and the danger so many people are in and the danger people are putting themselves in every day and so it's quite difficult to be guiltless although it wouldn't help anything if we felt guilty would it <laughs> no but there is a the sense of something horrible happening that we have no control of or we can't even see you know the sun is shining it's it's yeah. beautiful out there uh it's very difficult to really uh imagine until it's it hits you more directly which i guess in the coming weeks it it will unfortunately but it's yes. yeah it's very strange and and um for me what i find challenging is not it's not even being alone i i'm i'm used to being alone you know it's um Yes. traveling musician all that it's <laughs> it's you you yes. get used to it and i i i like being alone but um but this kind of lack of freedom you know that you can't yes. just do what you want this this i find more the most challenging in all of this you know that yes. that um yes. that we can't play that we uh yeah we can't totally do what we want anymore um and of course it's all yeah. for a for a good reason and it's understandable and that's what you know there is no other way but even to comfort people who are losing someone uh you know we we can't we can't go and hug them you know uh, and that i find yes. very sad and and um yeah that uh, hard hmm. it is hard and then on another level i should imagine you must miss the adrenaline and buzz that you're used to of of performing as well you've had to go into a complete different mode haven't you yeah and uh and actually i i you know like a year ago i was thinking i really want more time off i really want to just you know explore other things in life and 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 i took lots of time off in september october and, <laughs> oh. and in february and now i was suddenly thinking okay and now i'm ready and um uh, you know i had lots of things planned lots of nice nice projects um which of course have all been cancelled but um that that feeling that you're not allowed to play anymore you know like that you can't um, yes. and it's not even even that that i want to perform well i do but you know it's not it's not that that gets me but this this uh getting together with people to to explore something together to share something yes. um yeah. be it be it i don't know theater or 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 whatever um or I don't yes. know, a big dinner party, you know, just something where people can connect over something that, that I miss. 
and and although it's it's one thing to be able to do this by zoom or something you know at least it's nice to be able to see your face and see your smile but it is quite weird isn't it it is yeah and it's not, never quite the same no um and one of the things, of course, one of the casualties of all this is you. Were, we were so looking forward to doing Michael Haydn with you, with OAE and the concertos performing and recording, and now that's on ice as well, and don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but we hadn't seen you for quite a long time. Well, yes, the last time was the Strauss Valley concerto, wasn't it? And I know that um, we do both like living alone, but you have a cat to keep you company, don't you? <laughs> She's never had this much attention in her life. <laughs> and how does she um, cope with the Paganini? It, does she stay with you to listen? She does. Yeah, she's she's quite good with yeah with me practicing. She's very happy to sometimes even at my feet. No, she's good like that. Oh, do you find you're mailing um, people and getting in touch with people you haven't been in touch with for a long time? Yeah, a little more, and, and more people are in touch as well, and it's it's nice in a way. Yeah. Well, while I've got you here, you know, we've got a bit of time, um, I was just interested to know what brought your family over to the UK anyway from, from Russia in the first place. I don't even know which bit of Russia you come from. No, I was born uh, near Yekaterinburg, which is uh, where the Tsars were shot. Um, but we lived in Moscow. Basically, all my father's family is from Moscow, and all my mother's is from Yekaterinburg. Oh, I see. So we spent most of the time in Moscow, but I but went back quite a lot, um, and I still do go back there. Uh, and then and then we moved when I was ten, um, because uh, my dad was invited to um, uh, for for the London Symphony Orchestra job. Oh, I see. And had he had he auditioned for it, or was he headhunted for that? He'd auditioned. Uh, well. Um, I think Tom Martin called him and asked him to come over. It was very nice, and and so my dad uh, came, auditioned, and then was on trial for a year or so, and and travelled back and forth, and then eventually, yes. and then eventually we all moved. And my brother had just been born; he was four months old. Yeah, so you know there was my mum with a baby in her hands and uh, uh, going to a place she's never seen. You know, she didn't see the house we we're going to live in, like nothing. And and was it at that stage that you went to the menu in schools? Uh, yes, a couple of months later, I went. I went to school. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see. Could you speak English before you came over? I think I could. I I knew some words, but not really. No, not to the level that I you know nearly needed. <laughs> um, but you know, with menu school, they're kind of used to that. They have they have kids who don't speak a word of English coming all the time, and they make them you know. Yes, and they all come out the other the other side of their menu in school education speaking incredibly good English, don't they? <laughs> well, something like it. But it's funny how uh, also the people whose first language is English come out with all kinds of strange accents as well that they pick up at school. Yes, I can imagine that too, of course, because you're all so musical and have such a musical ear, I suppose... Very sensitive to all sorts of inflections. Yes, I can imagine that. But I can't imagine anyone... Well, I don't know, it's quite a funny thought, really. Yes, I hadn't thought about that. And um, so you you were 10 and, and you came and you settled. And did you did you settle in London or, or did you... Whereabouts were you living then to start off with? Uh, so first we were in North London, uh, uh-huh. near 
Harrow, I think. First we were there for a bit, and then and then we moved um, near Wimbledon, like Rains Park area. First oh, yes. to a flat, and yeah. then and then and then my parents bought a house there, and yeah, and then we kind of settled. And um, I first met you at the Royal College of Music, by which time you'd sort of decided to explore gut strings and period yeah. instruments. And um, you were, I think you were studying with, was it with Adrian Butterfield? Was he the first person you studied with there? Uh, the Baroque violin, yes. I studied with him. And then other than that, I studied with Gordon Nikolic. Oh, right. Okay, yes. Of course, because I expect he was good friends with your father as well was he yeah and i i met him because i did um you, you remember there was a thing called lso shell scholarship um, yes yeah so i did yes. that and uh as part of uh I, I think it was semi-finals or something we we and the finals we had to play we had to lead the orchestra and play solos and and it was suggested that we all go and have lessons with the principals so that's how i started going to see gordon yeah, and then eventually I loved it so much that I asked him um, because he wasn't really teaching at the time. But um, yeah, I asked him, and then and then we I, I studied officially with him at the Royal College. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah. You, you enjoyed playing in the orchestra as well. Yeah, no, I loved it, and I yeah. I played in orchestra at college as well. And uh, when uh, you know at the you. days when Heiting was uh, coming regularly, and yeah, that was amazing. Mm. Well, of course, I suppose when you when you do play in an orchestra, that all feeds into, I mean, your, your string quartet, of course. I mean, the, the more music you can play, different sort of genres like orchestral, um, string quartets, operas, whatever, you know, that all sort of feed, it cross-fertilises everything you do, doesn't it? Um, yeah. How how did the particular four members of the Kyrgyz, God, I can't even pronounce you. Um, can you say it? Because <laughs> I'm saying it really bad. Thank you. It sounds so beautiful when you say it. Um, and the four of you, you met because you were all playing on gut strings initially. Um, and how how did it come about, your quartet? Was it your idea? Did you invite them? Uh, so the quartet uh, was originally, uh, the idea came from college. Uh, because in the uh, historical performance department, they had extra funding for chamber music coaching. <laughs> yeah. And there weren't any chamber groups. Yeah, it, it is really weird, yeah. But um, there weren't enough chamber groups for it. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, and it was, um, it was just before Roger Norrington came, uh, because it was Mozart year, uh, and he was doing a project, I think, in January. So their idea was that we get together from the summer and we, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we'd learn the dissonance quartet for him. So we got, uh, I mean, we all, we all studied some Baroque playing, but not, you know, we didn't try try any classical repertoire on, on the instruments. We didn't have classical instruments. We all had, you know, like college Baroque, yeah, uh, college Baroque things and, uh, so yeah, so yeah, the first rehearsal was kind of interesting. Um, uh, at the time, it was uh, we weren't in our uh, current setup. Emily joined a little bit later, and uh, Pablo would have been twelve at the time. Oh, I see. <laughs> or maybe fourteen. So you know, so he wasn't. He was still in Spain in school. Uh, you know, 
so uh, we had a, a lady called Sarah de Boris Truns, uh, who played with us back then. Um, so, yeah, so we were put together and we, we loved it. And then Roger Norrington came and coached us and it was it was going really well. And uh, and he, he kept talking about chiaroscuro in in our sessions oh, right. and we were th- trying to think yeah it was uh, we were trying to think of a name for uh, for the group and and he kept saying this word chiaroscuro so we thought it's actually quite nice you know it's, uh, it's yes. a nice nice idea so yeah that's and then since then um sara left us but then uh, pa- pablo joined we took us a while to find him but um yeah and and we're still now we're in this setup for 10 years and have you have you done much recording with with them? Yes, we we're recording for Bees at the moment. Um, we've, yeah. uh, and before that, we did three CDs for Aparte, and now we've done, we've recorded the Opus Twenties, Haydn for Bees, and um, the Opus Seventy Sixes, and mm-hmm. the Opus Beethoven Opus Eighteens, which are waiting to come out still, as are the Opus Seventy Sixes. Uh, uh, our first. Opus 76 and numbers 1 to 3 um, will be out next month, in a few weeks even. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, we've had, we've really enjoyed um, making it and we're, we're loving playing Haydn now. We, we've, um, we've done quite a lot and it feels very, um, yeah, we have lots of fun with Haydn. Oh, fantastic. And, and um, of course, if it's for B, because so I know you're friends with Andrew Keener, but presumably he, he wouldn't, he doesn't... Um, uh, no, he, he, doesn't, did, um, he, he does, actually. He, he produces oh, he our does. recordings. Yeah. Oh, he's your recording. Yeah. Oh, and oh. We've, we've also recorded um, uh, Schubert, Death and the Maiden, and... Oh, wow. Yeah, um, so... Oh, that's amazing. And so, do you have to consciously work out the proportion of string quartet to solo or or do you get availabilities from the quartet first and arrange your solo round there or does it work the other way around or how does it work well we we plan our availabilities far far ahead always mm. and kind of keep them that way um it's yeah. otherwise you know otherwise it's going to be impossible <laughs> so we have to be very strict yeah. um and then um yeah solo it, it's all kind of um constant negotiation with agents and you know and what what works best when and i we also as a quartet we don't like to be apart for too long so it's important for us to be regular um otherwise we feel like uh you know we have to restart you know playing together and that's a shame yes. so we yes. um in the days when our diaries weren't were less full we even used to meet up anyway just to rehearse even even if there were no concerts you know we would spend i don't know a week together just rehearsing and and then we live oh. together and we eat together and cook together oh, you know? oh gosh it's so nice you're such good friends isn't it I mean, it is yeah yeah but they're all they're all wonderful and your father it was so brilliant because i remember in the early days of you coming on we did a, a tour with oae i think it was with vladimir yurovsky wasn't it and your father was there the whole time supporting you and traveling with us and it was just so nice to get to know him and um yeah. he was a, a pair of ears you could really trust to tell you what was going on and he'd listen to the rehearsals and yes that was yeah. really nice wasn't it yeah and yes, he he was really always nice, he's it? always honest, you know. He'll never he'll never yes. yeah. And it's it's great to I have know. that. Mm. Well, he's honest but very sensitive as well. I I remember. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he knows 
what not to say as well as what to say. <laughs> but I think yes. it's um, I think it's a skill of uh, people who uh, have a lot of teaching experience as well as how to make people play better. You know how to how to be honest, but at the same time um, bring out the best in the yes in others. Yes. Yeah. And and then of course what we haven't even talked about is your um, duo partnership and all the um, Wigmore Hall um, recitals and recordings you've done with Cedric and that is that's a fantastic duo and how did you two find each other as a partnership? Um, that that was also in two thousand five. That was it was quite a good year for me. <laughs> um, it was a bit good year for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was also when I met my violin as well. And in fact, the first concert I did on the violin I play now was the first concert with Cedric. Oh, really? Wow. And and how old were you then? Uh, I would have been 19, 20. Mm, oh, I see. Yes, a babe. Oh, fantastic. So, so how did you meet him? So uh, we were both on the New Generation Artist Scheme, you know, the Radio 3. Um, and they'd suggested we play some trios together with Christian Polterra. Um, so we did a, a concert in the City of London Festival uh, back then. Um, and it went really well and, and we, we liked it. So so then came the idea to um, do like a recital recording for the radio. And um, yeah, so we thought we'd do it together. And we recorded that. That time it was, um, we did, I think it was Frank Sonata, Ravel, and Be- Beethoven, Sonata, Beethoven eight, I think, the G major, uh-huh. and um, and then, interestingly, the the Frank we hadn't played since then, and we'd only picked up a year or two ago and recorded it now. But it was it was kind of amazing to do that, you know, having uh, having yes. had whatever fifteen years in between. <laughs> Yes, gosh, that is interesting. And you can really hear the difference. I mean, can you re- um, compare recording? Were there any records that, that you can refer back to the old one to compare uh, them? The there one. must be. I've never, I never listened to it. I never really listened to recordings. Yeah. Well, I think you go from strength to strength. I mean, whenever I hear you, you know, and um, I hear quite a lot on the radio as well. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. And um, what do you do in normal times to I mean do you have any hobbies or sports or particular obsessions or interests away from music that you do yoga I do I, I like yoga oh do you yeah I really uh-huh. do um partly because you know with with a lot of playing and uh, with suitcase carrying and all that it, it, it you know back plays up sometimes so so I think oh, fine yes. yoga helps a lot um and and also just for uh, I don't know calming down and and focusing a little bit because you you know how it is in in life these days things are so fast and um, yes. it, it's nice to yes. I don't know yes. just stay, be in the moment sometimes yeah mm. and have you ever have you heard of goat yoga. Oh my God! You you have to look online. I know it sounds a bit odd, but they get little pygmy goats to come and sort of climb on people when they're doing their yoga. But apparently, it's very calming, and the goats like it. Real goats, real goats. Yes, I mean you. If you Google it, it's absolutely extraordinary. 
uh, little ones, pygmy ones, pygmy goats, you know, the, the um, small goats or else young goats, because goats naturally like to climb. Apparently, goats can actually climb trees. I've seen videos of them. I mean, really, really, they do climb because they're, they're used to sort of craggy. Exactly. Mountain. So um, they bring these goats in. I think they have to be licensed goats. People take them into yoga classes because every time any animal is moved around they they have to have a license or be registered or something to do it so you can't just go out and hire a goat and bring it bring it into your house but um it you have to check it out <laughs> wow I, I would actually love that because I, I really love goats i grew up with goats my grandmother had goats yeah and i loved it she she always um every morning this is in near yekaterinburg she had like a house with uh vegetables and and goats and chickens and um so uh uh yeah so every morning me and my cousin uh would get her to wake us up you know at eight o'clock in the morning and she'd uh she'd bring us milk that she just like that just came from the goat literally like in the last 10 minutes Oh, how wonderful. Oh, I had no idea that you had a connection with goats. I, I do remember now Renat mentioning that um, he knew about keeping chickens, <laughs> but I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. And, and of course, we, all, we always played with the little goats. So uh, my, my cousin and I, even when it was winter and we would, you know, go, go out and run around, we'd always take a goat with us. Oh, how sweet. Oh, how lovely. Oh, well, you should definitely give goat yoga a try. So yoga, okay. And and that, you presumably have some some sort of um, routine with that. Does that happen before your practice or around it? Or I don't really have a routine because uh, I think with with the, this kind of life you 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 know you shouldn't get too attached to routines <laughs> basically um, so um yeah things as as they come and i i go to i, I find different yoga classes in places where i go to so okay, i have like yeah. I, I have my certain favorites you know I'll, i have one i like yeah. in tokyo very much that's in japanese oh, but yeah. but you know it's it's kind of fun in that way you also get to discover i don't know discover things yeah and when you're traveling are there any items that you never travel without i mean apart from the obvious things you know sort of um uh, but but i mean are, are, do you have any mascots or or anything in any anything that you always take with you or maybe you prefer not to say actually no i i, I i'm trying to think um not really i i don't think so i i tend to lose stuff no, really, I, I, I lose stuff, I forget stuff. I, So I've kind of learned to not get too attached to anything, basically. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but it's okay. Uh, it's, um, I, I don't know, it's it's uh, it's quite nice in a way as well. That, that you don't, you know, you, uh, you shouldn't... You can be a nomad. Yeah, and, and sometimes the luggage doesn't arrive and sometimes it doesn't arrive for a week, you know, and it's okay. You you, you learn to live with it and learn that actually, yeah, you don't need so much, actually. Yeah, yeah. But I've switched to the iPad now as well, so I play from the iPad. Um, Is that quite freeing? I mean, do you, do you find that gives you a nice sense of freedom? Yes, and less music to carry as well. <laughs> yeah. And do, do you, you operate it with your foot, do you? I have the Bluetooth paddle. Mm -hmm. 
Well, actually, I'm I'm very behind technologically, but I'm always I'm always quite aware of all my favourite music shops and you know what it might do to them. I was um, reading a book the other day, um, a Diary of a Bookseller, which is the most wonderful, wonderful book. I recommend it. It's set in um, Southwest Scotland, and um, the thing is, when I travel, I read so fast. I just have to take a Kindle. I, there's no way I'd be able to carry books but I was reading this book and at some stage he hates Kindles so much at one stage he shoots a Kindle and then mounts it and puts it on the wall and I was reading this on my Kindle and I felt absolutely terrible about it <laughs> it was a terrible Kindle I've never I never did but I have one but I've never I still haven't sort of uh, switched but maybe I will I don't know. I mean, it is it is a practical thing because I absolutely adore books. My house is so stuffed with books. That's another reason in a funny sort of way to have a Kindle because there is not room for a single another book in my house because every room is stuffed yeah. with them. Um, and I'm very, very bad at getting rid of them. I, I occasionally have a sorted to the Oxfam bookshop. Um, but I, I always think I'm going to read it again or I might need it. And of course, if I'm being real, I, I probably wouldn't anyway. That's what I'm realizing as well is that there are very few books I would read again, you know, really realistically when it's reading something again or versus reading something new, you know, you, you yes. tend to, there, there's like always a list of books I want to read next, you know, so. When you get to my age, actually, probably your, your mind is going to remain razor sharp, but I'm quite capable of downloading and starting a book, having forgotten I've read it before and then suddenly you think oh wait a minute I know what happens next <laughs> and it's taken me about two chapters to realize I've already <laughs> but actually sometimes I, I like reading things twice or three times I always get something different it's a bit like what you were saying about coming back to the Cesar Frank Sonata De depending where you are in your life things say different things to you don't they when you revisit them yeah. Well, one thing I think you have to do today is to go online to check out goat yoga. You will be amazed when you see it. In fact, I might mail you later to find out how you, what you thought. It is very, very funny. Yes, I mean, it's, I didn't, I thought it was a spoof. I thought it was a sort of April Fool the first time I heard about it, except it wasn't in April. And then it's just absolutely wonderful. And I'm convinced there's no cruelty to animals involved because they really seem to like it. So, well, thank you very, very much for talking. Um, and um, I'm sure we'll keep in touch anyway, but um, it's very, very nice. And um, yeah. Okay. And give my love to your parents. Sorry? Look after yourself, please. Yes, you too, and your cat. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, well, bye-bye. <laughs>